Hello and welcome to What Else Do You Do? I'm your host, Masao. I'm an indie producer in Montreal, working for Studio Cut to Bits. And today we have Gabby Darienzo. Please introduce yourself. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I'm Gabby Darienzo. I'm a Toronto-based independent game developer and artist, uh, best known for the games of Mortician's Tale, which I was the creative director on, as well as games like Celeste and Parkitect and Super Crush KO. Um, currently, I work at Drinkbox Studios, who are best known for games like Guacamelee and Severed. We're currently working on our new game, Nobody Saves the World, which I'm a senior artist on. All of those games are super cool. Thank I'm very you. excited to <laughs> have you on the podcast. Uh, but we are called What Else Do You Do? So what else do you do? Um, probably the thing that I, I do the most outside of making games is baking. I Prior to getting into video games, I actually worked professionally at a, uh, well, semi-professionally as a college student at a bakery where I would actually bake a lot of stuff. And so um, that kind of is one of the only hobbies I have currently that I have not tried to like monetize, which is a big, <laughs> big problem with millennials and Gen Z apparently. It's just like, Everybody has hustle. like yeah, everybody has six high side hustles. <laughs> so that's baking well, has become I mean, like the last bastion of no high side hustles for me. I mean, it makes sense. Like y'all came into the workforce in a in a economically unstable time, <laughs> and nobody has like every, it, there's this kind of shift towards like gig economy and all of that. So mm-hmm. I think collectively, you're all traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> Very broke and very yeah, a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about baking. What kind of baking do you do? Uh, mostly um, like proper baking. So I don't do anything with like chocolate or confectionaries because I just I have no patience for sugar or chocolate. It requires so much science and precision. And I know that like baking in comparison to um, like cooking, people are always like, oh, there's so much science involved with baking. And there is, but it's not nearly as much as like working with sugar. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I really like doing like cakes and cookies. And um, specifically, I really enjoy making things with edible flowers and tea. That's like kind of my, my top two favorite things to make. So like anything with matcha in it or sakura season was just just upon us here in toronto and so like all the japanese stores had sakura flowers that you could use in baking so making mm-hmm. like cookies with flowers in them yeah i don't know I, I'm, I'm open to baking everything and i i do take my baking very seriously so i know a lot of people will say like oh you know i was really had a really stressful day so i decided to make some cookies and i, I ate them and i relaxed but for me it's like I can't just bake cookies. I have to bake them and then I go, okay, this could be improved this way. And then I bake them again and then I bake them again. And then I'm like, oh, okay, now that they're perfect, I can't just take a photo to put on the internet. I have to like set up a whole lighting thing. It's it's one of those problems where it's like, I don't want to monetize this hobby, but I still will take it way too seriously, way more than I need to. I don't know if anybody else has that. <laughs> maybe like, maybe podcasting is is the thing for you, right? Or- I, I'm pretty laid back about <laughs> it. Like I'm... Um- yeah, I was talking to somebody about it and like, so what do you what do you want to do with this podcast? I'm like, I don't understand the question. Like <laughs> I'm I happy just, to hear it. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> I want to make the podcast. Like I don't care what happens afterwards. Like put it out in the world and I think people listen to it, but like at that point like my involvement with the with the podcast is done. Like I post it on social media and that's that's as far as I kind of go. I had a really, for years, I had this really big problem with being a bit of a workaholic. And it's something that I'm still trying to like 
get over yeah, and I, myself I was going to say, of. it doesn't sound like you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, it definitely has always been a thing, but it started when I used to freelance. This is how I ended up working on games like Celeste and Parkitect was I was a freelance game artist before working at Drinkbox. Mm-hmm. And while freelancing, um, I was working on like five things at once. And it's really, really easy, even if you love your job. And I know that all of us do. We all love making video games. It's so easy to burn yourself out by like thinking about work and working all the time. And so, um, and I think that's like where a lot of this, and it also bleeds into your hobbies as well, where it's like, I had a podcast for a long time um, and it was about like death in video games, <laughs> which, you know, Mortician's Tale, there's a bit of bleed over there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just like, oh, I can, I'm just going to have a podcast where I talk with people and put it on the internet. I was like, I have to edit it. I spend like eight hours per episode editing it down and putting in music and interludes and like, okay, now how can I monetize this? I'm going to put this on this website and try to get ads and try to get sponsors. Like it was just work on top of work on yeah. top of work. I, I'm and trying so, to do, I'm trying to not make this podcast that as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's what's, what's so good about this podcast is I like that you have a specific goal and you have some genuine conversations with people and it's still like very good to listen to. Cause I think a lot of game dev podcasts are like, all right, press record. Let's talk for two hours about, about game whatever. development. <laughs> and then you're like, Oh, I don't want to listen to this for two hours while I'm doing or game at least dev. not. Yeah. <laughs> at least not every week. You know, there are, yeah. there are really good like game dev podcasts. And Oh yeah, for sure. And so I think, especially during COVID, I think a lot of people in lockdown had this kind of opportunity to say like, well, I have extra time now because I'm not commuting or, you know, this is like, I'm speaking um, as a person who was still employed. And I think a lot of us um, are very fortunate in the games industry mm-hmm. to still for be sure, employed because sure. our jobs translate over to working from home very well. So, but I think a lot of us still were like, we have more time. What can we, what can we do with this time? And so a lot of people started exploring hobbies. And so you see a lot of people baking bread or actually my partner, um, you can see this because we're on camera, but for listeners at home, my partner has gotten really into baking bread over quarantine. So you can actually see there's a loaf oh, of yeah, bread on our counter that. that he just baked this morning. So, <laughs> um, or like gardening or knitting, or I think everyone just got really into finding hobbies. And for me, it was a really good opportunity to go like, okay, what do I, what do I enjoy doing that I can't monetize? Like, what can I do that is just for me? that I really enjoy doing. And for me, it was baking, you know? And it was kind of this thing where it was like, hey, I, you know, I'm not doing this for anybody else. I'm not feeding anybody else except for, I I mean, I do love feeding people and that's not really a monetization thing. That's more just like, I don't know, an Italian thing probably, just (laughs) fattening up all my friends. Um, But during quarantine, it was like, I can really just explore. And if I bake a thing that messes up like if i if i make a mistake it's okay because you know this is part of the process and it's like a fun thing and so i don't know covid one of the things i'm really grateful about about this whole horrible pandemic (laughs) is it kind of gave me the time to slow down and like really enjoy the the hobbies that i have um and baking is just one of them but i think i specifically fell back in love with baking because it was a hobby that I had, not even a hobby. I, I used to do this professionally mm-hmm. and it kind of became this thing that became really tiring and daunting. And I was able to kind of fall back in love with it because of COVID. And so, you know, I just really, really enjoyed it. And like experimenting as, as well. One of the things that happened during uh, 
during COVID as well, unfortunately, was I was diagnosed with like a chronic stomach illness, which sucks. <laughs> and yeah, so be- because of hard. that, I can't eat like I can't eat dairy at all. Um, I can't eat gluten. I can't eat a bunch of different things. And so not only was it like, okay, well, I'm rediscovering my love for this um, this hobby, but it was also like a weird shift in how I thought about it because it was like, okay, well, everything I know is different now. If you want to make things that are gluten-free or dairy dairy-free, you have to kind of rethink about the desserts you make and how things are structured and the science of it. Mm-hmm. And there's also certain desserts I can't make anymore because gluten's very important. <clears throat> Sorry, gluten's very important to like certain baked goods. And so it was kind of interesting being like, okay, well, what can I make? And what what will this work really well for? So like mm-hmm. scones. And that's why I said again, like scones and cakes are especially very fun to make because it's like, okay, well, I know the process now that I've experimented a bunch with gluten and like vegan, not vegan, but like dairy-free baking of like what works for me and like what's fun to make. So again, I think me talking about this makes it sound like a job, but I, I genuinely, I genuinely <laughs> no, really I enjoy mean, you're, doing this. You're and- <laughs> going about it in a systemic way that doesn't, you know, but it, it does sound fascinating. So what, what do you use instead of flour? Uh, there, there are so many gluten-free flours that are on the market. Um, okay. My favorite for anyone at home who's listening, who maybe also can't do gluten and is thinking about doing gluten-free baking. Um, my favorite brand is Bob's Red Mill makes mm-hmm. a very fancy, it's like a one-to-one flour. So you could basically substitute it out. And that okay. that has been excellent. That has been such a good, well, What such is it made out thing. of? Um, corn or rice or? No idea. I think it's a mixture of things. I think it's okay. a mixture of like tapioca flours and like brown rice flours and xanthan gum. Like they definitely have a mixture okay. that works really well. And then as so far as kind the- of replicate the, the texture and- the yes. chemical breakup. Exactly. And as far as dairy stuff goes, um, there's a lot of uh, vegan butters. Uh, butter butter is the big one, actually. Butter is really hard because it's so delicious. <laughs> it's so good. And it tastes – and, like, it chemically changes how you bake things, mm-hmm. right? And so certain recipes, like pie crust, you need to have cold butter in order to make a good pie crust. And, like, there's all this science. And before I had this, this stomach problem – it was like, but you can still have the like vegetable shortening and stuff, right? Like you, you can, can get yeah. like texture and and the oil content. It is, but what the difference between a butter and an oil is like? You don't think it's like very much, but unfortunately, it is because oil warms up quicker than butter does, and oh, like okay. the fat content's a bit different. And so, if you you can definitely make a pie crust with like whatever. Um, shortening or margarine or earth balance or any kind of these vegan butters, but it won't be the exact same because the content is a little bit different. So your pie mm-hmm. crust might turn out more crumbly or less crumbly. It's really, it's fascinating. It's such like a fascinating world to be in because you're like, oh, okay. Like changing one thing so subtly makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and I know you're big into cooking, right? I, I do um, like to cook, yeah. I don't bake that much, but yeah. Cooking though, it's like cooking in general, yeah. it's one of those things where you can kind of um, experiment with cooking, and you can say like, oh, okay, you know, I don't have olive oil, maybe I'll try sesame oil, or I'll, or I'm gonna put this si- spice or seasoning difference. in. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe this is just my my lack of knowledge on cooking. But <laughs> sesame oil has so much taste compared to like olive oil. But, uh, fair, fair enough. Um, but I feel like you can be very experimental with oh, yeah, cooking. Yeah. 
And with baking, it's like you can't, not really, because certain things, I, yeah, balance things out I, differently. I think it's like everything else, right? Like you can, like there are things that are interchangeable and there are things that are not. Like, Fair. you know, um, <laughs> I'm a dad, so I'm, I, I really like to barbecue and I like, you know, like cooking things on like cast iron skillets and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Very dad things and, to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of the things I've you know, you really learn is that like, like temperature control and timing is really key. Like, you know, changing things up a little bit will like have a huge impact on like the texture and like, you know, and even how things taste, you know, like it's, uh, um, one of the things I like to cook is like a, a duck breast, like a magrette. And, um, and I, I still haven't quite figured out the optimal way of doing it. That sounds tough. And, uh, yeah. Because <laughs> you want to render the fat, but you also want to have this kind of crunchiness to the, 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 the fat cap side. But you also don't want to cook it too, too much, uh, the whole thing too much, because you want it to be like medium rare and, mm. you know, because it gets tough and it's, it's tricky. <laughs> I take back my comments about cooking that it sounds way more complicated. I mean, there are complicated <laughs> things and there are less complicated things. Like, you know. Yeah. But, but it's, uh, I guess, either way, it's like, I guess, and I think maybe what I want to say is, regardless of if you're more into cooking or baking, is that like, there's a certain level of like, oh yeah, I'll just bake, I'll make and cook whatever. And uh, there's a level of like where you and I are at where it's like, okay, but if I want it to be optimal, if I want it to be optimally crispy and like, oh, if this pie crust to be optimally flaky, how do we do this? Which is like, I don't know. Maybe people think that's work, but for me, maybe for you too. Oh, it's I, like I a enjoy very it. fun. Yeah. I mean, why? <laughs> I mean, if you can do it better, why not try? Yeah, exactly. Well, um, let's go to the first question, which is, um, what do you get out of, what do you get out of baking that you don't get out of game development? I think it kind of already answered. We went over this it a little bit, in, but specifically <laughs> in like a very long rant. But um, I think I do a lot of, as an artist, especially at work, you are making a lot of art. I'm always thinking about art, and when I'm not making art at work, I make art for fun. Right. And that I, that's one of those hobbies that like, I don't want to talk about on a podcast like this. Cause I think even when I'm trying not to, it still ends up being kind of work related, you know what I mean? And so I, I think that baking is a thing. And I think a lot of people have hobbies that like when you're a game developer, a lot of people have hobbies that are very not screen based. Like it's very mm-hmm. physical. It's very crafty. So a lot of people do like woodworking or gardening or baking or cooking, which is very hands-on. And I like that I'm making something like I love making things. I love making video games. I love making art, but I think I really just love making things period. And baking is really fun because it's a way to make a thing that is very, very different from making 2d sprites or making 3d <laughs> models. Like it's very, it's so well, it's physical. tangible and physical. Yeah. You can touch it. You can, you can eat it. <laughs> That's the best part actually. It's yeah. just, <laughs> I can eat the delicious things I make. It's, <laughs> can't do that in a video game but i think that's that's the the kind of break that i like is there's an actual break for me away mm-hmm. from video games that i that that's what i get out of baking yeah i i can i can definitely relate to that um now 
I, I've been on the production side for a while, but uh, before that, I used to work in social media. Oh, cool. And um, and not only did I was I working in social media, I didn't actually even work on a campaign. I, I managed people who managed campaigns. So there were moments where I'm like, what exactly do I do? You know, like, because <laughs> it's like, okay, so I manage people whose job it is to, like, optimize the visibility of a game that is currently in production, which is, like, in terms of, like, separation, like, <laughs> like, it becomes so, like, alien to, like, think about, like, what exactly is it that I do? Like, what is my output to the world? Yeah. So, yeah, like, I could definitely relate to something that's, like, oh, I, I want to touch this thing and make it. Like, I was, I, I think that was one of the reasons I started really kind of getting into, like, little hobbies as well. Like, I had, like, little sewing projects and barbecuing and stuff like that because it's, like, you you have a thing in front of you that you can touch and you can yes, say, like, yeah. it's done now. Because, like, when you're managing the community, like, it's never done. Like, you never start. You never really end. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I've never I never really thought about that because I, as an artist at, in games, you always have a tangible thing to make. But as a yeah. producer like yourself or social media person or whatever, yeah, you're right. There really well, is no, like... As a producer, you have, a, like, a game and a game is done. You know, fair. there's a point when, like, <laughs> but, like, a community just goes, you know? like That's true. Yeah. Unless, like... And and especially since uh, I was working at Ubisoft, so, like, these communities kind of carried across, like, sequel to sequel, right? So, like, Assassin's Creed 3 would be done, but, like, Assassin's Creed, the community is, like, well, Forever. I mean, it's still going, so <laughs> I'm not even there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the next question. What do you think this brings to game development for you in terms of your process or creative output? That's a really good question. I think, have you ever watched, she's not there anymore, but Claire Saffitz on YouTube, like the Bon Appetit channel where she is. Okay. I completely so. bypassed the whole Bon Appetit thing until like <clears throat> I, the only reason I was, I became aware of it was because like the whole problematic thing about. Oh like, yeah. 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 That, the controversy. Kind of like, yeah. yeah. The controversy and kind of the whole thing imploding. That's the only, yes. that's like, oh, I heard of it, but. <laughs> so um, now she's, she's not there anymore. I def after that whole thing happened, she quit and she has her own YouTube channel, but there's a, basically there's a baker um, dessert, dessert person at, mm -hmm. they used to work at Bon Appetit um, and her name's Claire Saffitz. And uh, they had a YouTube channel and her thing on the YouTube channel was called Gourmet Makes, which was, she is given like a snack food and she has to try to remake it from scratch. And so it's like, okay, um, here's a Reese's peanut butter cup and you have to remake it. And her thing was so, it was so fascinating because it wasn't just like, all right, I'm just going to make peanut butter cups. She was like, I'm going to try to make it as exactly the same as I can, but like slightly better. Like I'm going to use better chocolate and better peanut butter, but I'm going to try to make it exactly the same dimensions like and similar texture, similar exactly, similar and it, profile. And these videos are, I'm not necessarily endorsing like everybody go watch and give Bon Appetit the views <laughs> because obviously they're still problematic. But um, they were really, really fascinating because it was such a there's so much problem solving. And watching it, it felt almost like this kind of the problems that we solve in game development. It's like almost reverse engineering and thinking about like okay, well. 
they do it this way, which means that we have to do it this way. And if I want to make it this way, we have to do it as efficiently as possible and trying things out and failing quickly so that you can figure out the right way to do it. And I'm not doing a good job at describing it, but it, the videos were so good, both in terms of like, this looks delicious and I want to eat it, but also in terms of like, this is so fascinating to see this person do problem solving. And I feel like in my own baking, especially with like what I talked about with like, okay, well now I can't eat gluten and now I can't eat dairy. And there's a lot of problem solving that I have to do in order to make things work. I feel like that mindset of thinking about how to problem solve things quickly and how to utilize things that we have in order to make it work can translate directly into game development. And it's stuff that I think I was already doing even prior to baking, but it's, I think that that mindset definitely helps because it's things like, okay, um, I'm trying to think of an example without breaking any NDAs, (laughs) but um, okay, we need to get this we want to do this shader in this game and we have to try to figure out how to make this happen as quickly as possible and as like efficiently as possible. So that we're not taking up a lot of people's times and it's like, okay, well let's try with doing quick experiments to see what looks best. All right. Now out of these best things, let's try to see what will be less expensive on the, the engine. Okay. This one is prettier, but this one is less expensive. Let's try to use the less expensive one, but see if we can pull some things. In. So like, and you're always thinking about how do I solve this problem? But as efficiently as possible and as um, as as high quality as I can, you know, mm-hmm. so we're not like just taking we're not always compromising to be like, whatever's fast. You're also like, I still want the game to be pretty. Yeah. I want this game to look and like appeal to players in certain ways. But there's a lot of problem solving that has to be done. And so and I think a lot of um, this is a bit of a tangent, but I think a lot of artists, game artists especially, are like, oh, I don't. Especially when they're starting out, they're like, okay, well, I, I'm just going to do the art. I don't have to worry about any of this technical stuff, <laughs> but you yeah, might be wrong. It especially, It doesn't yeah. work like that. <laughs> especially in uh, indie games, which is where my whole, my whole career has been in indie games. It's, it isn't like you have a team of whatever, hundreds of artists yeah, that you, but that ha- yeah. I, I mean, not to, not to, so my, most of my experience has been AAA and yeah. I've managed a lot of artists and even in AAA where we, people have super specialized skills and have very, very specific skills. Like I managed a team of people who only did alternate weapon skins. So they didn't model the gun. They didn't model, they didn't do the original textures. They just made additional textures on the, on the weapon skin. Their jobs are super technical. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So like, you know, like, and, or, you know, like character modeling, like character modeling pipelines are so different from game to game and very complicated. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the only people who really can get away with like not being technical is like if you're an amazing concept artist and you can just like basically do paintings and only very paintings. quickly. Yeah. 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 That's but, fair. Like that's like two people on a five hundred dollar uh, five hundred person project. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody that- else, like you as you said, like is gonna be solving technical problems one way or the other. Yes. And in I think the biggest thing I think of is the difference between indies and AAA is when you're an indie dev, there's no such thing as just a concept artist. Unless you are freelancing and solely freelancing as a concept artist. Most yeah. concept artists I know are also um, animators or art directors or production artists. Like they do yeah. a couple different things. UI. In indie dev. You see a lot yes. of UI a lot. Yes, exactly. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, there's a lot of problem solving, no matter what you're doing. And I think <laughs> baking is a really good way. To, that's, I, that's what I get out of it is like, 
you're problem solving in a different way and that thinking about those problems kind of directly translates to what you're doing in games. So. Yeah, that's, I think that's extremely poignant. I think that's a, a great statement on both uh, baking and video games. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess it's time for us to wrap up. So my last question is going to be, what is something you want people to know about baking? I think the biggest thing I want people to know is that like anyone can do it. Maybe not for all people, but I think a lot of people I know are like, I'm very intimidated by baking. I'm really intimidated by messing up or getting something wrong and whatever. But it's just like, maybe you feel the same way about cooking. Anyone can cook and anyone can bake. And there's such a joy out of making something that you can share with people. Because I feel like a lot of time when you're making a dessert, it's not like a one person thing. It's like a a dozen or two dozen things that you get Mm -hmm. to share with people. And that's like the biggest thing that I get out of it is I love baking and then like giving them to friends. And the, the biggest, um, the saddest thing about COVID and being in quarantine is like not having friends to share baked goods with, (laughs) which means that my partner and I have gained like 20 pounds each. (laughs) Not really, but like, (laughs) it feels that way. (laughs) And so, but yeah, I I just, for anybody who is listening, who's like not a baker, I just want to encourage like anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. And there's such a joy to doing it, especially if you're a person who makes games and loves problem solving. There's such a joy to like figuring out how baking works and really, really putting your, your, your soul into it and making something that feels really good to make and tastes good. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. That was a great conversation. I really enjoyed that. Thank you for having me. And it was really nice to hear your opinions on uh, on cooking and also AAA because it's like two different worlds that I'm not part of. <laughs> so. I mean, it's it is different, but it's not. You know, I think there's this like weird divide between indie and AAA, which I don't really understand. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Because <laughs> uh, right before, so I. I switched over to uh, Indie in 2019. So there's like a few networking things that I could go to before everything was all shut down. And when I told people like, yeah, I used, I used to work in AAA. This is, this is, this is my new thing. And like the number of people that are like, Oh, really? You're one of those. Yeah. And like, like, (laughs) sorry, you finished your sentence. And then (laughs) then also like when they find out like, Oh, so you know, and then I talk about the game I'm working on, like, yeah, but that doesn't sound indie enough. Like, it wasn't, like, quirky enough. It's, like, we're making a very straightforward game, and people were, like, oh, well, of course you are. You know, you come from AAA, and now you're going to come into India and, like, make, like, That's the most so obvious game. weird. Like, That's such a weird, okay, like, gatekeeping thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> that's the weird thing. There's this, this, like, really weird gatekeeping thing. And, and the reverse also happens, too. You know, I've definitely seen AAA people be like, oh, well, you know, Indy's not real. Like, it's not the, it's not, like, yeah. the big leagues. And I'm like, what, is that, what, is, what does that even mean? Like, you know, like, it's, you're still making video games. There's still, you know, like, it's not. Yeah. That has been my experience, actually, is like you go to AAA events and people are like, oh, so what do you do? It's nice to meet you. And you're like, I work in indie games. And they're like, oh, <laughs> so you don't make real games. And you're like, no, please. <laughs> We're all game makers. We're all like, and here's the thing, too, is um, a lot of indie devs are really snobby. 
but it's like all the yeah. games that we love and that we're influenced by are triple A games. Like you love Zelda, Zelda's a triple A game. You, yeah. you love God of War, surprise, triple A game. Like it's just, I feel like there's so much infighting that doesn't need to happen because we're all making cool stuff and yeah. we can learn from each other. We can all learn from each other. So. And we don't need to be mean to each other. I don't know. I, know. I don't know what it is about <laughs> like it's like weird like high school bullshit that people seem to like. Like, oh, you're not you're not part of my clique. And I hate it. Yeah. Awful. It's really great to talk to you about this because <laughs> I feel like I don't we don't know. Um Toronto is very is very indie heavy. There's not a lot of AAA studios. There's there's uh Ubisoft Toronto and Rockstar, which is technically not Toronto, it's like a, a suburb over. But it sounds like Montreal is would you say Montreal is more AAA? Yeah, Montreal's I mean, indie? Okay. depends on how you want to define more, but yeah, majority of the employees here are AAA, working in, yeah. in AAA. Just like, yeah. but like, it's it's a scale issue. There's like, I think 12,000 people working in video games in Quebec and 90% wow. of those people working in Montreal. I mean, Ubisoft alone has like 3,500 employees. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. So, and then, you know, the second largest, like, there's at least okay, so there's behavior, Warner Brothers, EA, Square Enix, IDOS. So like four or five studios that have like anywhere between three to five hundred people. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's gonna be but like the second largest employer actually in in Montreal after Ubisoft is actually um keywords. I don't Keyword, think I know that. Yeah. Keywords is uh they're outsourcing. Okay, yeah. They uh, most of the testers a lot of the testing here are now it's like a testing outsourcers. So instead of being employees of like Ubisoft or Warner Brothers or whatever, they they work for keywords and then they get contracted to go work at a yeah these gotcha. companies. So that that's like the second largest one. So they're all AAA as well. So yeah, there, there's <laughs> there's a lot of everything to be honest. But there are tons of indies. But the problem is like they're they're like you know like a big indie studio is like. 20 people so yeah yeah when you have like one studio that has three thousand people <laughs> the number of indies that you would have to have to like kind of match that is going to be yeah quite a bit yeah, that's fair but it's it's an interesting ecosystem for sure there's a lot of there's a lot of bouncing back and forth because of it that's fair yeah like i see a lot of triple a x triple a people starting studios or going to work at indie places and then indie people who you know after a few years of working in indie, go and work in AAA. Yeah, which is so weird that there's still, like, because of that, there's still, or sorry, not because of that, despite that, there's still so much fighting. So it's like, so many of you have worked both indie and AAA. Why are we fighting? <laughs> I don't know. There's, so there's just really weird gatekeeping <laughs> in this industry that I don't, I don't. Or yeah. like the whole QA, QA are not game developers conversation, which I'm Ugh. like, who yeah. cares? Like, I don't. That discourse is like the worst. why, yeah, yeah. Like, why do you need this label to be only you? Like, what yeah. what do you get out of like excluding these people who are already paid less than you and are also treated like shit all the time? Like, why yeah. are you like kicking these people who are already down? Like, yeah, I don't it's, understand. It's the worst. Yeah. So yeah, well, screw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We should that's... we should all be nice to each other. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing you can take away from this is. Be nice to each other. Give your give your game dev friends desserts. It doesn't matter if it's a triple A or indie. <laughs> Bake them desserts. But, but yeah. They can all they can all enjoy a nice dessert. 
have a barbecue with your with your, <laughs> your AAA and indie friends. <laughs> well, thank you very much, and have a lovely afternoon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me again. It was really fun. Thank you for listening, and please remember to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast app. Thank you to Dave Wallace for providing the music, and thank you to Therese Lance for providing the logo. Bye.